right. <clears throat> mic check one, check, 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 check. Check two, check two, good. Guest mic. Check, check, check. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your sh- Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 282, Back in the Garage. We are back. We had a bit of a, uh, I can't really call it a hiatus because we still dropped content. We still dropped content, but <laughs> they, they, yeah, the Rick Myers and the Gilbert Gottfried episodes were recorded at a previous time. Yeah, and you know what? I got some great feedback that was great. On, on both episodes. So. The Gilbert episode was... was uh, it was great to have him here. Yeah. Like I hadn't seen him for years, and he's just so funny, and he's... A, a, a lot of people were tuning in, like, I didn't know he knew so much right. about old movies. And yeah. He's, uh, uh, he dropped some knowledge on us. He did. He did. <laughs> he schooled us, so to speak. Uh, I want to thank everybody that came out. I was on the road for the last week. Uh, did a Doug Loves Movies in New York City at the Gramercy. That was fun. Um, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. Uh, ben Bailey, who's never been on the show, we're going to try to get on. Kevin Avery, who's been on the show twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, very funny. And uh, two young ladies whose names I'm forgetting. Wow, I'm a dick. Only remember the guys. Way to go, Graham. <laughs> nice. Um, but that was a fun episode and then did shows um, in Kansas City, did Douglas movies in Kansas City. We did a Benson inter- movie interruption, which was fun. Uh, and then did uh, shows in Rosemont. It was really fun. So a lot mm-hmm. of film nerd fans came out to that. It was my first like long road swing with Doug in quite some time. So yeah, and cool. we did some business too. We started did some, did, business. Did some uh, in between <laughs> visiting my family. We went, uh, we saw... Uh, Met with Audible and Squarespace yeah. and all our business partners over in uh, New York. Yeah, and we're able to actually announce that uh, it's the Audible Presents Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Yes, it's official. It's official. So mm-hmm. overall sponsor, you know, for it took us four years to get to, to get to this point. It's huge, and it's really we're really excited. So done. Boom, book it. Um, so so <laughs> uh, that's all of that business. Let's um let's let's say hello to our guest. Second time in the garage, Second right? Second time. It's been a couple years, I think. Last time we talked... That we were long, on, really? Well, last time he was on the show, we talked about Burt Wonderstone. So whenever that came out, two years ago? That was like 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was the 1992 uh, version of Burt Wonderstone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, back in the nerd garage, Baron Vaughn. Hello, hello, hello. My question is, who is the 1992 version of Steve Carell? <laughs> wow. Was it Jim Carrey? Oh. Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg would yeah. have been in Burt Wonderstone. Yeah, yes, he did. Starring Steve Gutenberg <laughs> and Burt Reynolds. It was between the short circuits one and two. Right. Is when oh, he yeah. knocked out the yeah. Burt Wonderstone. Actually, Fisher Stevens. That would have been that would have been it. <laughs> yeah. Burt Wonderstone. Fisher Stevens and Steve Gutenberg, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. This movie sounds amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. Um so what have you been doing? I know you've got your a show on Netflix. Yes, I'm on a Netflix original series called Grace and Frankie. I like to call it Granky, <laughs> as if they were a celebrity couple, starring Jane Fonda as Grace and Lily Tomlin as Frankie. I play the adopted son of Lily Tomlin 
and Sam Waterston as if you had to guess the adopted part. <laughs> because I'm so black. Mm, so black. Everybody step back. Because I'm so black. See, that was horrible. That's, that's, that's what happens when you listen to too much Bootsy. <laughs> uh, well, that yeah, that series looks interesting. Um, so series season one is on Netflix and season you guys are shooting up, up right now. Yeah. And we're shooting episode episode. We're shooting season two right now. Yeah. What is the difference mm-hmm. between, I mean, you've done season one and season two. What what's the, changed? What's the, <laughs> well, the number, mostly the number. Um, that was not my question. Chris. Um, I wanted to know, I mean, you've done a lot of regular TV. Is there a difference in terms of like doing a Netflix show versus like network and cable shows that you've done? No, no, because of the unions. So it's like everything kind of has to operate the same way. You know, all, oh. the, all, the, all the production still takes as much time. It still takes as much time to make a TV show uh, as it did on a network show. It's just that right. after you're done making this one, they put it all up in one day. Yeah, and, and you're like, well, it didn't take any less time like, to make it. <laughs> Everyone's like, I'm done. Where's the rest of it? It's like uh, a year. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. That is a weird thing. That must be weird if you're on a show like an Orange is the New Black or something yeah. that's been out that's had Which one of my seasons. closest friends is on that show. Yeah. Yeah, who? Uzo Aduba. Crazy oh. Eyes. She's one, literally one of my closest friends. That <laughs> show is so great. Yeah, like, it's pretty good. That, that, I haven't seen the third season yet, but yeah. Well, Daredevil's like the same way, literally. Came Daredevil's up every, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, so every episode, just instantly. It's yeah, gotta it's be a new weird thing. Because, you know, in, in the traditional model... You shoot for whatever, several yeah. months, and then right. it comes out, and then you've got this- Well, form. usually it comes on while you're still shooting. Right. Right. Like you're halfway through production, and then it's on, and you're like, oh, the show's on, and right. then you finish shooting it, and then right. the show's still on a little bit after you're done shooting. And then you get the pickup. So there's this, like, there's this, where this is just like, shoot, done. Right. And, you know, I was actually reading an article about this the other day, because binge-watching, in my particular opinion, in my peculiar opinion, is at its zenith. Like, it's kind of like... You think it'll play out? I think it'll play out because it's like two things. Number one, the only event is the release of the show. That's it. We came out May 8th. You know, every other TV show is like, come back Tuesday at 10. Right. And there's a whole marketing, you know, like... Machine. uh, Yeah, machine built around that. For us, it's just like, we're out. See ya. That's it, you know? Then it also makes uh, people not want to talk about a show because everyone's in a different place with it. You know, like with Game of Thrones, everyone's oh, seen up to the same episode. But with like Orange is New Black, don't tell me, don't tell me. I'm on episode three if someone has already finished it. Uh, so people don't want to know what the rest of it. So people are like afraid to talk about it because of spoilers. Then it makes TV like a pile of laundry to some people where it's like, I got to watch 13 hours of something now. That's fascinating. That's what dude. people are starting to, I'm starting to see that mm. in just like in the, in the culture. People are just like, I can't. I can't watch every show. Now, do you think there'll be also like some acceptance of that and then people start to get flexible with their watching now? Like say 13 Hours comes out now and okay, we understand that 13 Hours comes out at all the same time now, mm-hmm. but I don't feel compelled to watch it all at once anymore. I'm going to watch it like I'm going to maybe one today, one Saturday, and I'll watch it at my own pace now. Well, Chris, that's because you're an adult. <laughs> And that's that's what I'm starting to see adults do. It's like, you know what? I don't have to sit here all weekend. I'll watch one episode now, live my life. <laughs> go out, see the sun. Play with my son. Go to my job. Pay a bill or two. Go to the store. Then I'll watch another episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, get some groceries, maybe make a meal. Have a bath. Give myself some sustenance. Drink liquids. I've heard that's pretty good. Then I'll watch episode three. So people are starting to do that. People are starting yeah. to be like, you know what? I can't, like, trying to find a pace in their lives where they can watch these shows. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's interesting because binge watching is, has been in the culture for so a couple of years now. And people are, I think it's like the second wave of people being like, okay, I can't just sit here and watch a show, like, all day. Well, binge watching... Um, new content is still relatively new. Yes. Uh, so that I think people are still kind of getting used to, but in a good way. I mean, I think it's great. It's just uh, anything new, I think it just takes a little while for people to process. It is, it is interesting. You're right, because like a show, whatever, Mad Men, mm-hmm. there's this whole conversation for the whole week. week. Between it's the same for Breaking Bad and, yep. and Game. Of, it's like '90s and they're like water cooler conversation. Right. It was that. Right. So you still have that, and now like AMC is releasing this new Walking Dead one or the prequel. Yeah, Fear the Walking Dead. Dead. Yeah. that takes place in LA, which looks interesting to me. But that, like, I, I went back and That's forth. That's going to be one a week. That's going to be one yeah. a week. Yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. was watching the, like seasons. I don't know three through six of Mad Men. I was I had canceled my cable and I was watching that six months later. I would binge it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then this last season, I you know I got cable again because they just refute they strong arm you into, <laughs> into yeah. take, in taking their chance. You want an internet? You get you need Ooh. all this other stuff. Too. Internet's now eighty bucks a month, or for seventy you get a phone you'll never use and cable. It's sort yeah. of like reading in a way where it's like you have a book. <laughs> right, and, and you're like, I'll read that in a month, and then finally you find right. the time where you just read the damn thing. Right. And then with cable, then six months later, we'll raise your bill without telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we actually have a lot of movies to yes, get through today uh, because we haven't been here, but there's a lot of cool stuff we're going to be talking about. Fantastic Four, a Lego brickumentary straight out of Compton, Wormwood Road of the Dead, and um, some interesting things coming out. I use that in a very loose way. Um, premiering this week. And I do like want to talk one, about Trainwreck. Yeah, well, I'll definitely we'll talk about that as okay. well. Mm. Um, so let's get started. Uh, the Fantastic Four. Now, this is really Ooh. entertaining. Just the stuff firing back and forth between the director, the studio, and the fact that this movie completely crashed and burned. It was a trank tank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not unexpectedly. Mm. Um, when we saw the trailers and we saw who was starring and what was happening, it was like, well, how how is this going to be good? How is this going to make then, sense, yeah. And then when... Uh, you hear quotes from like the uh, the producers and the writers saying, "Well, you know, it's a it's a tough property to do. R- really, maybe it's tough for you. Maybe you shouldn't be working on it if it's that tough for you. You know who's in Hollywood? A million other people <laughs> that could do this. Avengers, no one uh, had a problem with the Avengers. Yeah, you know how hard it was to make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I yes. think Marvel Studios could handle Fantastic Four. Put it if, in the hands of someone capable. Yeah, if you got the shitheads out of the way, maybe we'd get a watchable Fantastic Four movie. Uh, I saw this film and i went to a free like a press screening that people put on that was sponsored by dryer's ice cream <laughs> so there was this delicious ice cream there was delicious ice cream there was this clunky it was free ice cream <laughs> but then there was this like corporate person like before the screening like dryer's is about bringing people together for ice cream <laughs> so we're bringing you guys together for the movie was and- the country tied lemonade guy there too oh god <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Peanut. <laughs> the Pepperidge Farm guy. They're all like, enjoy a delicious cracker while watching fine cinema. Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. <laughs> they were all there. We're a family business because we care about your family. Oh, where's the beef lady came back from the dead? 
<laughs> it was so exciting. It was their fantastic. She never found point. that beef. That's called unfinished business. <laughs> <laughs> she never found that beef. That's unfinished business. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, yeah, there was a cold case. So it, it was it, this movie. <sighs> where to begin? That's a, that's that's where enough right to there. Begin? I can't. I mean. I don't know that I'm I cannot sure. wait to see it. I can't because <laughs> it's so bad. I hear it's, everyone's it's, like it's horrible. It's I don't know so much of that. It's horrible in the sense that it was just boring. Mm. Like I didn't care. And you've got these these Michael B. Jordan and uh, Miles Teller, Kate Mara. I really like these actors. I like them in everything that they're doing, and they're just like wow not given much to do at all. Like Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller are like, these are the two new young guys. Like these are the guys and they've got all this great work behind them and like, oh, who can't wait to see what they're going to, like Miles just did Whiplash, you know. Uh, One of the best movies of last year, yeah. Yes, you know, uh, Michael B. Jordan's work on on um, Friday Night Lights was just like, oh man, this kid, I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And I understand, no, who would tune, who would turn down a superhero movie? A big right. budget suit. None of us would. We would all take it. So I get it, but then it's not fair to these actors that they're put in this movie that just, I didn't give a shit about any of it. Huh. Clearly, there were a lot of lessons learned from the other two shitty Fantastic God. Four movies. Wow, which I saw in the theater. Oh. Wow. I saw that second one. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> just a cloud, because a cloud villain always works. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, a giant fart. That's what it looks like. You can't be scared of that. A pen. <laughs> It was, it was, yeah, I was just like, so, I was just wow. watching it going, my friend and I were watching it going, okay. So it's just like the, the story's not compelling, the performances aren't compelling? Yeah, or First of all, the casting alone is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there's not one person that looks or acts like anybody in the actual Fantastic Well, they're Four. super young. That's the other thing, I right? get what they were trying they're to do. They're trying to make and, them and young. Th- that's their justification is we're going to make them super young. So this we can do this for 10 years. Yeah, and it's yeah. like... Because that was really in the comic book when you saw Reed Richards as a brilliant scientist inventing things like, what was he like as a teenager? <laughs> I want to see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, get Reed... I mean, and so, I mean, some of the gamma ray stuff, and then there was just all these ridiculous things. Like, well, why... If they... If they're doing that with the gamma, then why don't they just do? Why don't they just do that? Like, and and the least <laughs> exciting action scenes where you're like, mm. oh, okay. Well, that director completely imploded too. Like, he just um, talk about shooting your career in the foot. What did he? Like, yeah, he I've did heard Chronic, a lot about he did this. Chronicle, right? But then when he was hired on this, he basically, um, you know, the the day the movie was released, he like tweeted like. Uh, with something like uh, this movie's going to be horrible or or something like he wow. literally the day the movie was released he uh, he tweeted something like should have been called self-destruction or something like that then he got like deleted it because he got heat from it uh, but also he has been notorious in saying like this isn't the movie I wanted this isn't what I yes. did and uh, he was slated to direct one of the Star Wars movies and guess what he's not he's wow. not now wow because of all the behind the scenes nonsense that apparently was it episode was, uh, 9 boy, because I saw, I just I'm saw an announcement sure. like a new director for episode nine. I'm like, oh, I yeah, didn't even know that. Uh, there was that's probably, <laughs> yeah, probably what there was a thing in uh, Entertainment Weekly about it. Yeah, it was really uh, interesting. And this think. movie mm. made like a nickel or something. Like that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it made, made a like buffalo nothing. nickel. It made <laughs> yeah, and uh, I it just it's like okay, every summer we get one of these. 
you know, this is it. This yep. is this yep. is Green Lantern. This is R.I.P.D. We, we get this everyone is, every summer. Well, oh, for no. Marvel, they've been doing really well. So it's just interesting that they. Well, it's not Marvel Studios. That's and right. It's so yeah. it's such a clear, yeah. consistent. There's just a clear line in the sand. Although I don't think we deserve two movies this summer. We we got we already had Pixels. Did we need a second giant horrifying uh, bomb? Well, this is like yeah, and I I just. Is someone needs to sit them down? Like Marvel Studios just needs to go. You're done. Like I got, we got, we can. I mean, even what happened with Spider Man? That email's been sent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even Ant Man, which I said I wasn't a huge. I, I, you know, I obviously said I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Ant Man still had entertaining stuff. It was very entertaining. You could watch Ant Man a hundred times before you could watch Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, exactly. Like this is a movie that I will not watch on a plane. Like Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. I know. I gotta see this now. Okay, you got, I, love <laughs> I love watching bad movies. So, all right, that's Fantastic Four. There's not so fantastic. <laughs> fantastic Four. I'll tell you, I was really, <laughs> I was really glad to see it tank, though. Like, if it was a really shitty movie, but it made a ton of money, right? Like the first, that would have been a problem. One made a lot of money, which is why they made the second right. one. So this won't happen again. And I personally think it has to do with binge watching. I mean, people are watching <laughs> people are watching really good TV. Yes. There's really great TV with great writing, great directing, and great acting. And when they're going to movies, they're like, this is crap. Right. I right. You can go home and watch great stuff on Netflix. Why did I come to Why this? Did I spend I'll watch this Daredevil again. I'll watch Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, man, exactly. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. I would go binge watch Daredevil right now rather than if you like, Grandma, I'm going to fly you in a private jet to a Fantastic Four Island screening. You're like, only if it crashes. No. <laughs> only if it, if I get lost with, with Amelia, my dear friend Amelia, in the Bermuda rectangle. It's the triangle. Yes, that's what everyone thinks. <laughs> they extended it. <laughs> they put two triangles together. Anyway, I'll teach you more about this Bermuda geometry. Yeah, all right. I do want to talk about this, though. Yes. I want to talk about train wreck. Oh, okay. yeah. I finally got to see Have you seen it? Yeah, I have seen it. I have mixed feelings. You have mixed feelings? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let me hear what you had to say first. No, no. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, no, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> your podcast. Okay. All right. Um, I saw this a week or two after it had been out. So I had already heard from many comedian friends of mine who I respect a lot that this was a very good movie. And I got to say, I loved it. I Why I was so happy with it is it's her movie. And I love it when a comedian is allowed to do what they do. When they're given the freedom to like, they're not jammed into some studio system. And it's, as we, as we deduced from the trailer, and as we talked about when Emily V. Gordon was on the show, because she had seen it, it's beat for beat a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. They do every beat that you, would, that you would do. However, they do them in a more interesting way. Even times when I saw a joke coming, I still laughed. Uh, and then there was times where they introduced something that you're like, oh God, this is going to be some big, dumb rom-com, you know, the wedding cake falls into the pool, kind of like someone ate a hash brownie and now they're acting like a giraffe <laughs> or something that never happens. And those things never happen. And I just, and I, and also I give Amy credit for allowing like all these other people to be really funny. Cause some comics, when they get big, they're like, I'm going to surround myself with some dead weight so I look like the champ. And she did mm. not do that. John Cena is fucking hilarious. He LeBron is. James. Who would have thought? Would, I mean. A slam dunk for LeBron. <laughs> dropping three pointers of comedy. And that's a more savvy comedian, too. Like, um, what you have to understand 
if you're in that position, you only look better if there's good people surrounding Everyone you. Everyone in the movie's funny. Because yeah. here's the thing. This, if, if a studio, this is how this would have been, this is how, the, how this Amy would be in a rom-com if it was a studio movie. First of all, Brie Larson would have been the lead female, not Amy Schumer. Because she's, she's cute, but she's not perfect body Hollywood cute, you know? Um, Brie Larson would have been the lead. It would have been about the guy who's the boozy troublemaker played by a Chris Evans type. Uh, and Amy Schumer would have been the slutty girl or at the Steve office. Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get that Guten. Get that Guten. Gotta <laughs> get that. It's Guten free. <laughs> Come on. It's Guten free. This movie was Guten free. Hashtag Guten free. <laughs> I'm putting that. <laughs> um, uh, and and Amy Schumer would have had a couple of funny scenes, and you would have said Amy was funny, but the rest of the movie was like typical dumb rom com stuff. Right. And Bill Hader was great. Bill Hader would never be the lead in a rom com. He's a, a cute guy, but he's not. You know, they're always cast with like J Lo and Matt McConaughey mm. and these like. All right, all right, exactly. All right. Yeah. And so I really. I really liked it and thought it was funny and, and I'm glad that she used all these she's funny people. So now Baron, what was where did you have the problems with? Yeah, I agree with you uh, most of it. First of all, I, I walked out of there going, well, Amy can act. Right. Amy can act and she's really really funny. Heartfelt scenes. And uh yeah, and uh yeah, there's some really good heartfelt scenes with some really good genuine moments mm-hmm. that are like you said, there's a lot of things that lead up to like this is going to be typical and then it's not typical. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, thank goodness that mm-hmm. they did it this way. Now, I have some problems th- and and this is technical stuff and I don't want to, you know, spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. There's this part of me that feels like the first two-thirds of the movie was written by Amy and the last was written by Judd Apatow, where it just sort of like, for me as a storyteller, there are things that were established that didn't come to fruition in the end, where I I feel like there were seeds that were planted and watered, and these are not the plants of the seeds that you planted. Uh, that's a really I'm trying to talk about it as vague as I could possibly talk about it well continue to only talk in garden metaphors okay (laughs) so first of all you gotta know if you're a trowel or if you're a hoe (laughs) this movie's about a bunch of hoes trying to get their veggies in a row All right, it's horrible it got nasty Uh, it got nasty but um, no I I actually I really enjoyed it and I saw it twice actually Mm -hmm. And and, and I laughed both times in places where I already knew I had laughed last time. Right. So it wasn't even like, oh, I'm not surprised anymore, but it's just, that's just good, funny. Right. That's funny. This moment is still funny, even though I just saw it yeah. like four days ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have some problems with perspective stuff and just in terms of the lessons learned at the end of the movie. Sort of story structure a little bit? Yeah, or? some story, stru- uh-huh. story structure stuff, character stuff. Car- oh, so, oh, I Specifically see. her character and what she decides to do. But... That said, I still think that the movie is good. Yeah, and it's there's a different. It's a weird thing to say. There's a difference between a good movie and a great movie. This is a good movie that could have been great. Ah, hmm. interesting. But the potential for it to be great was there, so it makes me curious about what's next. It makes me excited about what's next. Uh, that's absolutely. I had that same takeaway. Like if because and because the movie has done well. Like if the movie tanked and it was only a handful of comedians going, that was great, and everybody else went. Mm, then it'd be like, oh, she's never going to get this opportunity again. But now right. I'm, I'm, it's been successful. She's definitely going to get the opportunity again, and I want to see. I want to see. What I want to see what's next because I was like, I will watch this. I will watch her again in another thing. Definitely. Right. Okay. Cool, man. All right. 
I'm going to talk about this next one. Uh, a Lego that brick that sounded a little abrupt. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Yeah, all right, oh, and, and done. <laughs> done. <laughs> it's just, no, we got to schedule Lego things. Brickumentary. Yes, this is the documentary about the um, the Lego Corporation. Ooh. And it, it was really interesting in a way that uh, when you watch a documentary like this, you realize that it's a new age of documentaries where there's a lot of niche ones. This is by... Um, by every definition, a niche documentary. Mm. If a, you're not a, a fan a of Lego, yeah. a brickumentary. If you're not a fan of Lego, there's no reason to see this movie. I but if you grew up Legos. on Legos and you know, I have them in my apartment right now. Well, then you would enjoy this documentary because it goes Being through hostage. A little bit of the history. Jason Bateman does a nice job of narrating it. Oh, great! Uh, and you know, he plays like a little brick figure that animates and talks about the history of Lego. But what what gets interesting is when it talks about how Lego kind of went from a toy then to there's a lot of adult collectors and they have all these weird acronyms like an A-Fall is a, an adult fan of Lego. A T-Fall is like a teen fan of Lego. Like they go through and like, really? This, all this exists? It's like Trekker and Trekkie, yeah, man. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly. They right. mention that too. That's, what's, uh, that w- that's what was interesting. And they have these giant conventions that everyone kind of builds hmm. stuff. And what I, what I really like to see is that there's a lot of people that – they take the Legos, but they make their own things. Like a lot of times it's sets. You know, you take a set and you build it or whatever. But now, like this woman built an entire like set of like Rivendell from like Lord of the Rings. Wow. Just from like the Lego pieces. But there's no set that does that. She literally, this giant landscape she made. And they win awards and they do all these things. And then Lego, they decided to kind of lean into this a bit where if you can design uh, a Lego set and you build it, and then if you get, like, enough likes and fans for that set, they'll actually release it and give you, like, a small part of the profits, which wow. is really interesting. Yeah. Because they – and this is where this documentary fell short. Building planning people. Yeah. Th- well, there's there's a lot of stuff, like, with – when documentaries miss the mark, this is where it missed the mark, mm. is there's a lot of interesting things that happen with this company. It's a giant toy brand that rivals Mattel and Hasbro, but it has one product, Lego. That's it. Like, when you have all these different things, but – um, it goes through when the company was in trouble. And when it released those Mindstorms, that brick that was programmable. Um, so you have like a little computer, but then uh, people were hacking into that and like reprogramming it that would actually connect with the Lego. So it was really interesting. But well, no, tell us more about that and how the company recovered and all this stuff and how it's like a giant, you know, brand now. But it like glossed over yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff that was was interesting. But there's definitely some criticism. You could say it's like an hour and, and a half long commercial. I can see that criticism. <laughs> but it really, uh, it, there's a, there's some really interesting things in it, especially with the fan reactions and why the Legos seem to mean so much to people, like especially as adults. It reminded me a little bit of podcasting in a way that there's this community out there. They didn't know each other existed. Like some of them were saying, like, I was just in a store. Normally I would go to the toy store and wait for the kids to leave the Lego aisle. And then I would go in and look at everything. And then I saw another guy doing that. And we started talking. I'm like, oh, no, there's a whole group. And they like <laughs> went together and they would put stuff together and design things. And, and that with the with the Internet, then that expanded. And that, that got really interesting. Um, and then mm-hmm. all the uh, conventions started. And even the Lego executives were saying, you know, we didn't plan any of this. This is all people kind of taking our basic design building blocks and doing what they wanted to on their own which, which is, is the beauty of legos which is the beauty of legos exactly you can literally make anything you want and the way they design things and the way everything's licensed and the fact that they kind of open it up to like people kind of designing their own sets 
Um, it, it's really interesting, and it's the kind of thing where this company really could have failed. Like they had like these really interesting um, history lessons, I guess, on the company where there were times where they would release these sets that no one wanted. Like they were really simple sets with a couple pieces that you would put together because they were more like toys. So they said the people that wanted to build things didn't want them. And the people that wanted toys didn't want them. They would just buy toys. So there was like this whole um, time where they went in the wrong direction as mm-hmm. a company. Hmm. And that's, again, something that should have been explored more. I want to see that. How did you guys, they just touch on like, well, then we got out of that. Then everything got better. I'm like, well, no, tell me. Mm. How you got from here to here, where you know where you had all these internal discussions, people were hacking your computer Lego bricks, and hmm. um, one of the executives said something really, really interesting, and he said, "99.9% of the people in this world are smarter than us." No, sorry, I'm getting that quote wrong. It was a really interesting quote. It said, 99.9% of the most brilliant people don't work for us, which means that when they release these sets and these computers and stuff, there's other people that are smarter than them hacking them and rewriting the software and making bigger things. That is and a great it, quote. And instead of fighting that, they had internal discussions like, well, no, this is our property and this is all proprietary. We can't let anyone mess with it. I said, no. Let people. This is the whole point of Lego. Let people play with it and open it up and open up these systems and make what they want to make. And that's one of the things that helped um, save the company. Wow. So, but again, it was one of those things where it was like a couple minutes of footage. Like, no, this is a giant point. Oh, I, right. I want to see more of how this happened and talk to you. Know, so, um, it's it's a um, it's a decent documentary if you're a Lego fan. I don't think if you're there's no giant insights or any big revelations in this uh, film, but it's a fun kind of cool. Basically, you could look at it as like a companion piece to the Lego movie. That's really what it felt like. It's really, you know, you enjoyed the Lego movie, and this is kind of like a little bit more. It's got a little more animation if you want to learn more about Legos. That mm-hmm. So you could look at it that way. Like, this is, went right to on demand. I don't think it's playing in theaters anywhere. So but it's in a, this movie, essentially, though, like the Lego movie, everything is awesome. But they're glossing over. Yeah, it's under. It's under it. They're just singing. No, everything is awesome. These, yeah. these failings were not that bad. <laughs> everything. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's definitely if you're a fan of Lego and you're you've always been interested in like what uh, adult fans of Lego have been doing. <laughs> uh, that if you're an A fall, mm-hmm. you're really going to enjoy this oh. film. So, um, but it's a fall from yeah, grace. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's a niche documentary, and if you're a fan, you'll enjoy it. But there's no if you've never played with a Lego or have no interest in Legos, there's no reason to seek it out. Even if you're even if you're on a plane. All right, so, interesting. So far, there's two movies you don't want to watch on a plane. Right, Trainwreck. I'll watch whenever I see it on. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about straight out of straight out of Compton. Boom. Sorry, go ahead, uh, Baron. Your take on it first. Holy crap! Uh, I saw it last night. I loved it. Uh, I I. It's it's an interesting thing as a black person when a black movie comes out because I want it to be good, and then I'm a, I'm I'm scared that it won't be, and then I have to like stand up, I have to like defend a movie that's not. So with Selma, like Selma was amazing, like I loved Selma. I'm like, oh my god, this is a really good movie, and Straight Outta Compton was a really good movie as well. Right. Uh, it's a fascinating story. It's a compelling story. I'm amazed that nobody has done this yet, but it makes sense as to why nobody has done it, which they kind of get into in the movie because right. these these men were, you know, they were they were made pariahs when right. they were around, you know, just and I just remember the 90s and when this album came out and just every governor and senator on TV being like, "They are corrupting yeah. our youth." 
My son is walking around with his pants down, yeah, yeah. gold at his knees. He's referred to himself as an N-word. I don't even know. <laughs> What's going on? Because of these boys, we have to stop it. That's why I should be your governor. Like that sort of. So it was interesting to see the story of how these men came together to create this group. The environment that they were in, Compton, uh, you know, the urban jungle of Compton situation that was created is a great documentary called Crips and Bloods Made in America that'll give you even more context. That's a great documentary. Stacey Peralta did yes, that. Yes, Stacey Peralta. That'll give you even more context. So it's just kind of like, this is the environment these men were in and they, they reacted to it in a way that just, it hit the culture in a way that no one was expecting. They weren't expecting it. They weren't expecting themselves to 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 treat each other the way that they treated each yeah. other, to react to the fame and the money and all that stuff. And you get to see who these people were. It, to me, it was like, it was so cool on a lot of levels because, first of all, it's sort of the classic, the fame, you know, the fame, too much fame story. I mean, it's, it doesn't, I don't care where you're from. Guess what? Like these, these problems are going to happen. Um, but it and was it's too, hard not to be seduced by it. It's hard too. not to oh, be seduced yeah. by it. And then shady managers and lawyers and all that stuff that happens. And it exactly. happens to anybody. And you know, like, they just, and they just appear too. Yeah. They just out of the world. Mulaney used to have a joke about how every poor person knows what they'll do when they get rich. Yeah. Like when I get rich, <laughs> I'm going to have hair like gold and a, yeah. a car made of cans or whatever. But no rich person knows what they're going to do if they become poor. They're going to jump out of a building is usually what they're right. going to do. So it's like we get to see, we get to see these guys, poor kids from Compton become rich and freak out out right and it changes their relationships is it a perfect movie no it's not a perfect movie there's a lot of stuff that personally i feel like was glossed over mm-hmm. or could have been more nuanced like um well you know somebody said it in some review i read where it's just sort of like and it's it's hard because it's one movie and you can't do everything sure. in, in in one movie it would have been interesting to see the cultural influence on different coasts because when nwa came up the dominant, the dominant force in hip hop was Public Enemy. It was, pu- it was all about Public Enemy. It was about New York, mm-hmm. and then like there's even a scene in in, in Straight Outta Compton where there are these guys who came from New York. They're supposed to write, they're supposed to basically rap some stuff that Ice Cube wrote, and they're like, "This is bullshit." Yeah, and they're dressed like LL Cool J, yeah. and they have like the backwards Kangol, and it's just like, oh, there was like this this different style. There was a style war. And then these, these guys came up and just brought everybody up. So, and then there's some things that I feel like I wish I, you know, they could have expanded in certain places, but the movie's already long. Like it's already, it's over two hours long, even though it's compelling. And F Gary Gray, the guy who directed it, um, has directed a lot of action movies. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. he's started out with these guys. I think he directed Friday. So it's just, he did the Italian job. Yeah. Like, he did a Vin Diesel, a Man Apart. Like he's done stuff like that. Exactly. I think he did Be Cool as yeah. well. The mm-hmm. the sequel to Get Shorty. That's not amazing, but still kind of interesting. Right. <laughs> so it's like it was just interesting to see. And, and that's a, there's there's a little romanticism as well. I think because these guys had a say in this movie, so they're looking at their past. And you know, when you look at your past, it's easy to put some polish you know, on it, some polish <laughs> and some love some love goggles on it. And everybody was kind of you know, even though they show a lot of conflict, right. But like some people come off looking really good. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think in the in the movie that I'm just like, is that exactly what happened? Yeah. No, probably not. Now, is there like a cultural shift too? Like when you know when this band came out, like it, yes, it, it was it was interesting. Like did did, did they show that? Yeah, they do show they, a little bit. I, they do show a little bit of that. I mean, for me, one of the things I really liked about it 
And I knew going in that that Ice Cube and Dr. Dre had were involved in this. So I was mm-hmm. like, well, I know that there's not that they're gonna just like whitewash it and make them seem everybody like was involved. Yeah, because even at the end, it said NWA consultants, DJ, right. like it had MC Ren and DJ Yella. So it's like, oh, everyone had a say except for right. Eazy-E, who's dead. Right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of knew going in. But he may have left notes. He may have left a couple. I, I knew going in that there was, were they going to like totally get into like the nitty gritty? No. But it was imp- like for me, it was the same thing. Like I was in high school and college when this music came out. I remember that. I remember, you know, the governors. I remember the whole Tipper Gore, you know. The MRC stuff. Oh God, I remember that crap. And everybody... Everyone from Twisted Sister to like Megadeth to John Denver was up there having. Everyone's going through this, and and all the things they said. I go, you guys said this about Elvis. You said this about the Beatles. Like you said this about Jim Morrison. Yes. And you're honestly yes. acting like this is different. Like they acted the exact same way. Sure. When Jim Morrison got arrested, like, like. Lenny Bruce, even like yeah. it's just kind of like yeah. this is indecent. Yeah, exactly. And what what that looks like and what happens and also that said though edm totally indecent <laughs> like i will protest about that stuff it's, it's the devil's music <laughs> telling me to kill that's telling exactly. me to kill me. <laughs> oh. yeah and to me like uh, like you say the, the director of gary gray uh because he does big things, the concert footage is amazing. The, co- the concert stuff and like but the that's, music and that's a big thing where they they really capture the effect. Like these people became gigantic stars, right. and every city was was packed with people that knew all the words that were jumping, that were waving their hands. And they go on the road, and they make it very. The director is very clear, like a lot of white people in the audience yes. in certain venues yes. and that I was that I pointed that out to my girlfriend like yeah. a lot of white people a lot of white people yeah, in the that audience was so well directed he, he composed the frame so beautifully to see like white girls at the front of the stage like yeah and they're yeah. everyone's singing along and everyone's going you see like suburban white kids going fuck the police and that's like wow that's what people were doing I remember we were playing that there was a lot of heavy metal bands that didn't like when they came on the scene yeah they lost all the suburban white kids (laughs) yeah (laughs) because the music was angry the music was angry was speaking to that anger that angst and then suddenly it was like oh this doesn't this doesn't Mm -hmm. speak to my anger anymore this speaks to my anger right because it was this is angrier than this angry thing I was listening to well because because what they did and anytime a band like this breaks out it's because they're coming from a place of honesty where maybe metal had sort of become just you know corporate. it became white snake and warrant right it became hair bands hair bands it wasn't about uh, what rock and roll Metallica couldn't do everything right yeah Yeah, they couldn't (laughs) they were the only like big mainstream like they were still kind of really metal right Metallica because it was like what Slayer nobody was playing Slayer on the the radio so it was well that's I mean rock and roll started as rebellion Mm -hmm. all rock and roll music started as rebellion and rap is to me is just a version of that absolutely you know it's it's in response to stuff and the and the, the filmmaker did a great job of showing and I just remember that whole and thing. And you said the Beatles is a perfect example. This is like the Beatles. Like people flipped the this fuck is, out. It, it is the story of a group of people who came together to make music that spoke to them, that spoke to everyone that they knew, and they became way bigger than they were expecting. Right. It's exactly like the Beatles. It's exactly like the Rolling Stones. It's exactly like the Beach Boys or yeah. Elvis right. or Johnny Cash. It's the same story. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because like I remember seeing a, an interview in a documentary with, with, with John Lennon in like the late seventies, early, obviously right, right 
couple years before he died and he just said oh i just knew we had the best rock band in the world it was a matter of time before everybody knew it and it was like <laughs> damn and that's what these guys were like we're like you know what this we're fucking good like they can't they kind of were like oh and it was funny that scene where like ice is like i don't want to rap and we're not rappers and then and then they were like no you you dr dre was the one who said no no get in the booth start going and and that was really it was really cool and then they show the whole and just it's so well cast Yes, it's so the casting is incredible. The casting, and obviously, Ice Cube's son is in it. So just Who, playing Ice Cube, Ice, yeah, playing yeah. Ice Cube. So he, but how the, odd is that? It was very odd, but he also looks exactly like him. Right. He looks like his dad, and, and and he was good in it too. He was good in it. The the guy that played Eazy E, holy wow, shit. that's a hell of a performance. That, that guy. guy. There's really good performances. Think, there's in it. pressure on him though. Like, oh yes, I read an interview with him because he's talking about you know a lot of people know what the end of Eazy E's story is, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about him, and and the, there's a lot of controversy. And I remember it because I remember when Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, that's another thing that the uh, the movie does. It starts to show the trickle effect of when NWA started and suddenly there was Ruthless Records yeah. and there's Death Row and then they started producing all these different artists and you see people like Tupac and Snoop, you know, hanging Again, around. Really, really well great cast. cast. Really great casting. Mm-hmm. And you hear, you hear like, oh, I got these new guys, Bone Thugs and stuff. And I remember when Bone Thugs came up because, I, because they started talking about Easy was betrayed. Right. Easy was betrayed. So it was like, oh, interesting because... This was all the drama that was going on behind the scenes, you know. The diss rap. The, there's like there's this whole great montage of like Easy and Cube like dissing each other in like the studio, and it's it's pretty amazing. And it's like you get to see, so it's like this guy, this actor who played Easy E. He says, "I know the controversy, but this guy was a person. He was a person that they all loved. That was a leader, you know, and went too far, obviously. But I can't play it like that. I can't play that this guy was a villain." Because he wasn't a villain, you know. So you have to find love for him, and, and everyone I think who sees this movie will find love for every single character. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, cool. I mean, this guy, Jason Mitchell, is the guy that plays Easy E. And there's some scenes between him and Paul Giamatti. God damn, hell, pa- Paul Giamatti put in a hell of a performance. Always man. good, always good. Is this manager who's little, something? Maybe something's up, maybe but you some, don't know. You don't know. Yeah. And is he is he is something up? Is he being a weasel or is he just? like the best intentions kind of guy, but not doing it the right way. You just don't, there's all this great stuff. The guy they cast as Suge Knight is just Holy, scary. And a hell of a performance too. Oh, great performance. His scary ass eyes. Yeah, that Suge <laughs> Knight fucking I'll that kill stare. you. I got, a, I got an Amish beard and a cigar. Yeah. Don't and, mess with and me. Death. <laughs> and death. Death um, is in my speed dial. So like, yeah, if you, if you obviously grew up listening to this music and you like this music, then this is a must-see. I think it's making, you, it's making but, money, too, yes, right? Yes, it is. Oh, even yeah. if you don't like the music, it, because it will contextualize, it'll help you contextualize what was going on when you were 11 or, right. you know, or 10 or 15 or whatever. I think it's a good point. If you didn't like this music or didn't know about it, it's also an important film because it does... Because the, again, the only the Im, the only images we have are the guys from the interviews and MTV and whatever the image that was put and out what the there. media was saying and what the media was saying right. exactly. And so you then are getting to see what these guys were as guys and mm-hmm. how they interacted with each other. And it's, and it's just fucking great performances. It's really solid performances. So very cool. Check it out. All right. Well, I want to talk about uh, Wormwood Road of the Dead. Yeah, I saw that the other day. I didn't see it, see it, but I saw it. I'm like, I got to watch this now. Oh, my God. Well, there was kind of a whole backstory with me watching. And in fact, the fans are still kind of been tweeting to me to actually watch it because uh, when C.G. Johnson had recommended it um, months ago, uh, I just remembered that, oh, okay, it was some kind of Mad Max 
movie with zombies and how many movies like that could there be? Turns out, more than you think. <laughs> uh, so... I actually watched the wrong one called Road Wars, which is this unwatchable piece of shit. Ooh. That, uh, uh, and then CJ emails me, goes, you saw the wrong movie. And then, because uh, Wormwood wasn't out here yet. We couldn't, we couldn't get it. It, was, uh, uh, it wasn't available. So I finally watched Wormwood, Road of the Dead. And I have to say, it's, um, if you really want to appreciate this movie, watch Road Wars first. <laughs> and, and then watch this movie. Watch a horrible movie. Yeah, and, watch and a good then one. The, and uh, <laughs> you'll really appreciate it even more. It'll be like the Lawrence of Arabia of um, Mad Max zombie ripoff movies. <laughs> great, great. So I have to say, I really enjoyed this movie. This was like um, it wasn't a perfect movie, but I will say it was really, really fun. It was a great Australian grindhouse, low budget. Um, zombie horror movie with some really hilarious moments in it, some inventive ideas, and some great violence and and, and action and gore. And uh, it was just, it was exactly what it should have been. It was like it didn't take itself too seriously. It knew exactly where it was. There were some kind of things where it got a little bit more serious than I think it needed to because you actually have some really funny moments and lines in the film too. Like it was a mix of Mad Max... Walking Dead, Evil Dead, Ooh. and like Sam Raimi's sense of humor. Yeah, like when, when you add all that kind of together, you actually had a really. That's why Netflix is like, you're going to give this five stars, Baron Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking how much fun they must have had shooting Ooh. this. Like you could see, like everyone was just really enjoying making this film, from the people behind the camera to on the camera. There, there was a couple weird things, like uh, like when they started putting armor on, and like when you saw more people, I'm like, wait, didn't more people come out of that garage in one scene than this scene? Like it gets a little the way a couple of things the way which I got a little uh, confusing. But the only one of the things that I didn't like, and this was not their fault, is that. It had some larger ideas that needed a bigger budget that they couldn't pull off. Mm. Like, you have this promise of, like, it's going to be kind of like a little bit Mad Max with zombies where, like, they're they're souping up this car and this truck. And then right. they're, like, putting armor on it and, like, a harpoon gun on top. And you want to see the car do more shit after they do that. But you can't – you don't have that Mad Max budget of actually flipping the cars over and doing all this cool things. There's not, like, an army of, like, zombie-killing cars coming over right. the uh, landscape. But – um, you also see too, like there's definitely poten- potential for a sequel. Now I checked IMDb. You see, like like it's being written. I don't know if it'll ever be made, but it was like it had that. It really had that setup of Mad Max One to Road Warrior. Yeah. It had that. Ex- oh, it had okay. that exact kind of setup where this is a lower budget version of it. But if we get to make another one, we're or going Evil Dead to Evil Dead Two. Evil Dead right. Evil Dead. Yeah, we're, we're we can go Road Warrior on it. But, but it's got like it's got some just really fun, cool things Ooh, in it. Awesome. And there was one scene when you see it, you'll you'll think of this too. Um, a lot of the quote bad guys are like just guys in. Um, basically armor and military guys. They're helmets, so you never see their face. Um, And this is not a spoiler. At the end, one of the guys gets his helmet knocked off, and he does this dramatic turn to the camera. Like, it's a weird moment where you think, well, am I supposed to recognize this actor? Like, it's some kind of big, famous cameo. It was was shot a little weird. Like, uh, And I'm wondering if it was some kind of, like, inside joke with the filmmakers, like somebody's friend or something, that they Hmm. gave this long reveal to, uh, because we never see any of these soldiers until one guy gets his, you know, his helmet knocked off. And it looked like, like a weird thing where, like, that would be a perfect 
place for like a cameo of like uh, a famous Australian actor or somebody like that. But I don't know if that was the case. It was just shot a little weird. Like are you, you're revealing this person's face. Am I supposed to know who this person is or whatever? Mm. But um, it has a lot of really fun, big ideas. And this happens in the beginning too. Like the fuel goes out. The only way to fuel their cars now is to harness the breath from the zombies. <laughs> so, and that actually fuels the cars. It's great. Um, so it's a really, really like a fun good, movie. Uh, green technology. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. You know, zombie fuel. Um, so it, it's really, really fun. Ignore Road of the Dead. If you, I, I got asylumed. I did. I saw <laughs> the wrong movie. And um, check out Wormwood Road of the Dead. It's a really, but again, it, it, it's a low budget Australian fun grindhouse zombie horror movie. Awesome. And um, it, it could have benefited with a larger budget, but they did they did great things with what they had. So check All it right. out. It is and it is a streaming on Netflix. Well, let's uh, talk about our sponsor. Touch our sponsor. Of Hello, Touch of Modern. I got. What I, did you get? Graham? I ordered a pair. Uh, well, three pairs actually of cedar foot insoles uh and they just arrived organic yesterday. <laughs> they, yeah they are organic mm-hmm. gluten-free cedar like <laughs> gluten-free gluten-free steve gutenberg free um uh and uh they're very comfortable and nice and they're like they're odor eliminators and uh i love this touch of modern site because every every week basically Almost on a daily basis, they're updating with new sales. So I, I think it's because you know the Star Wars prints were gone. I checked it out today. Yep. I didn't see them. They, they, that's why you got to act fast. If you see right. something you dig, you got to you got to get it. You got to jump on it. So you got to go to touchamodern.com. Now I actually went and I bought um, a uh, just some artwork just for the bedroom. Like they have these beautiful uh, landscapes of like uh, islands in Thailand and beaches at sunset mm-hmm. and really cool. Because we have like uh, we have a small bedroom, but there's that one wall where the bed is, where it's like you can't get the right piece of artwork to right. fit because you need something longer. And this was like perfect, so I'm like, oh, my, well, I have to buy it now because it'll be gone in two days. Yeah. So, so I, I bought this um, this great. There's some great landscape pictures up there right now. So if you want to check them out, they are really really cool. But touch of modern dot com and it's kind of like a private shopping club for you yeah. there's some really cool stuff but they've got there. everything they've got tech stuff and gadgets they've got cell phone cages and there's cases I, there's, and watches. Al- like, there's always a survival knife there too yes for the zombie <laughs> apocalypse <laughs> that's <laughs> the o- most modern thing yeah yeah yes. <laughs> it's when you capture zombies and fuel and make yes. them fuel your car <laughs> you're gonna need that knife um all right guys so go to touchofmodern.com um now, Baron, I wanted to talk to you about this. Yes. You have an amazing podcast on um, Wolf Pop, yeah. right? Oh, and, yeah. And you, um, your co-host is Leonard Malton? None other but. How so, did this? So let's, uh, let's talk about how this happened and yeah. uh, what's up for, uh, and just tell us about the podcast. Well, uh, it's called Malton on Movies with Baron Vaughn, which uh, Leonard is always adamant to say with Baron Vaughn. <laughs> I wanted to call it Malton Peppa, but that's totally, <laughs> that's totally off <laughs> brand off brand uh so essentially you know it's funny because leonard malton has always been we have the same birthday which is a weird thing to say but it's like you know i was like oh who what celebrities have my birthday so it's like steven spielberg brad pitt leonard malton that's i was like oh interesting mm-hmm. i think christina aguilera too don't mean to brag nice. anyway guys <laughs> so but kind of a genie in a bottle. yeah i'm a genie <laughs> well, if you want to, if you want to be with me, you got to rub me the right way, uh, not the left way. But Paul Shear, you know, is the curator of of Wolf Pop, right? So it's essentially like Earwolf, but 
Paul Shear, and Paul Shear is like the guy who's kind of creating it. So he wrote me an email and said, "Hey, would you be interested in doing this podcast with Leonard Malton?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I would be." So is it Matt Gorley too. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. Matt Gorley is involved. Uh, Adam Sachs, a couple different people. Right. Um, so we went to. I went to meet Leonard. You know, because it was basically predicated on if he and I had any sort of chemistry. It was like because mm-hmm. if we didn't, if we didn't get right. along, it would have been like, okay, we're not going to do a podcast. <laughs> right. But we actually did get along. You know, he's a, a completely nice, of course, you know, very nice man, very very classy. Yeah. Um, and part of the fun, as far as I know, from the listeners is that we come from very different backgrounds. <laughs> very different backgrounds and very different generations, even though we have a lot of similar tastes in things. I mean, obviously, he's on movies that are pre-1970. He's the guy to go to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After 1970, when things got color, yeah. <laughs> and there were people of color, you could have shown me, you could just, that's where I started showing up. Th- that was, did you know that that was the original cutoff for like uh, AMC, American Movie Classics? Yes, I did know that. Mm-hmm. That was just like, yeah, 1970. And then they switched it, because I remember when they switched it, yeah. and it was uh-huh. just like, oh, wait a minute, they're showing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah. Nest? What's mm-hmm. going on here? Um, so... Basically, we have a structure where it's we talk we we pick a theme, you know, usually based on um, a movies that were are out or something like we like Trainwreck, you know, it was like Funny Women, so we picked three movies right. and they fit the, the this description: a good movie, perfect example of that; a bad movie, avoid; and a movie you might not know, a sleeper. Oh, okay. That we kind of say, watch this if you don't know it. So right. with uh, that one that we did a Trainwreck, the the funny movie uh, is a uh, Sister Act. You know, Whoopi Goldberg, everyone loves that movie. Even if you hate that movie, you still kind of like yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah. The bad one, which was my choice, because Linda was like, I can't think of a bad one. I'm like, I know one. It's called Mr. Wrong, <laughs> starring <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. Because <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, hilarious. When that Bill, movie, the worst. When Bill Pullman when breaks Bill his finger. Pullman, yes. How much do I love you? Yeah. He breaks his finger, yeah. Uh, and then The Sleeper was a movie starring my mom, Lily Tomlin, called The Late Show which was a movie I had never heard of that I watched. Really, really great. It was uh, written and directed by a, name, uh, by a man named Robert Benton and produced by Robert Altman. And, of course, oh, wow. Lily had been in Nashville, which was kind of her big debut and got an Oscar nomination, all these different things. So this guy had written this really interesting noir film called The Late Show, and it starred uh, Art Carney and Lily Tomlin as kind of a mismatched pair of crime solvers. Like they kind of, he's like an old school 40s, you know, like detective, but it's the 70s and it's Los Angeles and she's like this hippy dippy, you know, and they kind of get together to solve this thing and it was really, really interesting and really good. So that's usually what the, what the, the structure of it is. We talk about why this movie is great, why one movie is great, why one movie is bad. You know, it's always interesting to talk about when bad movies don't work. Like why, what could they have done here? Like we recently did, um, TV adaptations, because The Man from Uncle's coming out. Right. So a TV adaptation that works really well, Adam's Family. One that right. sucks, Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> and a sleeper that you uh, might not know about uh, is escaping my brain right now. Totally forgot what it was. I guess you guys will have to listen to the podcast to find out what that is. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess Listeners. it wasn't the Flintstones. Was not the Flintstones. <laughs> Definitely was that's not what, the Flintstones. I mean, that's one of Leonard Maltin's like, skills. He has that book, uh, like the hundred and some movies you've never heard of. Yeah, right. right. And he's he's obviously, because like any reviewer, he's watched a million films. So many movies. He can find this like gem that no one's really heard of. 
that starred all these amazing people are like, how come nobody knows about this? How come people don't refer to this movie like they do The Sting or something like that? Yeah, are you yeah. weekly? Weekly podcast? Yeah, we try to be weekly. Uh, Leonard recently had like a little, uh, you know, a, a um, health issue. So we kind of had to take a couple days off uh, here and there. But I did a couple podcasts with his, with his daughter. And then he and his daughter, Jesse, who's really awesome, Jesse Malton, did a Q&A. So we're getting back on track. Oh, Great. neat. Yeah, but yeah, you, weekly. Weekly right. downloads. Malton on Movies with Baron Vaughn. Check it out. Touchofmodern.com. Should have been called Malton Malton Pepper. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I still try to call it that every podcast. That's of course you should. Or Vaughn on Movies with Leonard Malton. Nah. <laughs> Va- moving Vaughn. <laughs> um, all right. So what do we got? DVDs. Now, there were no DVDs coming out except this one, and I saw the trailer for this. It's called Little Boy, and oh my God. During World War II, a seven-year-old boy decides to undertake a monumental task. He wants to bring his father back home from the war. What? Now, you have to see this trailer. It has Kevin James in it, A. Uh, B. What? Is it it has. Uh, well, that's the trailer doesn't even know what it is. There will be one comedic scene, one heartfelt scene, one tragic scene. Oh, it's God. like literally it jumps. Um, I mean, if it's Roberto Benigni, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Otherwise, it's nowhere new, not even close. <laughs> it's uh, it really. Like, if, I want to see my father, and then Kevin James yeah. like bumps into something. Boink! Yeah, yeah. Like it's one of those weird <laughs> movies where if you can't get a an even tone in the trailer, I can't imagine what this movie looks like. So I, I it's obviously straight to DVD. <laughs> and hmm. I, 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 I was fascinated by the trailer. Just for like, I don't know, it looked like 100 people made each did a scene and put it together in one movie. Wow. So um, check out the trailer. <laughs> I'm not saying check out the movie. Um, <laughs> so just watch. Yeah. Go trailer shopping, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's it's a fascinating trailer. All right. Um, so now the site spotlight and fan feedback. We have a new earbuds trailer yes. that we released. It's yeah. on Nerdist right now. It's exclusive at Nerdist.com. <clears throat> so we have links to it on Comedy Film Nerds and on the earbuds Facebook page. And um, so definitely uh, check it out for sure. It out. It's it's the extended trailer as we're gearing up to do our preview screening at LA Podfest. Yeah. Nice. Boom. Um, and next, um, our friend Scrugulous at the who's posts a lot of stuff at the message boards. He posted something really interesting. And this always makes me laugh. For those of you who like lists, here are the 100 greatest American films according to a BBC poll of 62 international film critics. Ooh, so what that's the other, fascinating. What the other parts of the world think are the best American films. So what, that'd be an interesting list. What if it's all list. just like awful? Yeah. Like, <laughs> First, <laughs> number one, Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Martin's Pink Panther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speed 2. Yeah. <laughs> Mikhail's Navy. Yeah. Speaking of adaptations. The remake, right? Yeah. Exactly. Sergeant Bilko. That's Steve, yeah. that's Steve Martin. <laughs> Oof. Major pain. Yeah. <laughs> just nothing but comedic military movies. <laughs> the Last Boy Scout. Like, it's just every... Private Benjamin. <laughs> Sweet. All right, uh, I can't wait to see that So, list. premiering this week, Sinister 2... Yeah, um, I guess if you liked the first one, you might like the I've second seen one. This trailer, it's just another creepy kid horror movie. So, yep. ring around I'm the rosy, mommy. Um, what are you doing, mommy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always, always creepy kids. Yep, I might recommend just seeing the Babadook again. You know, check that out. Um, American Ultra. This is the Jesse Eisenberg stoner spy movie. 
Okay. I'm on the fence with this one because I'm, I'm looking at it. Part of me when I watched the trailer went... By the way, a lot of mixing of genres in this episode. Well, the last I, couple of yeah, <laughs> movies I, we're talking cause about. Because I see this and I'm like, God, is this going to be dumb? <clears throat> or is this like a Scott Pilgrim sort of could be quirky, interesting? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. You seem to have some issues with his hair, Baron. Yeah, his hair looks ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's the issue. Well, the, the poster, it looked like Natural Born Killers to me. I'm confused by it, but I haven't seen the trailer. I hate the title, and yeah. I just wish that, you know, Jesse Eisenberg looks ridiculous with long hair, and I wish he, he maybe it's that Kristen Stewart should have his hair, his normal. That makes sense. His, his uh, you know, hair. social network hair, his, his kind of <laughs> curly Jufro. She is, yeah. Culturally insensitive to say Jufro, but I said it. <laughs> not PC, but I'm also not an anti-Semite, so sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'll probably will see this because there's no way I'm going to see Hitman Agent Forty Seven. Well, you might want to. Really? No, I'm joking. Oh, okay. yeah, no idea. <laughs> you know, for a second, I was like, maybe he knows oh. something we don't know. Oh, wow. I don't know so maybe. it isn't just a bad yeah. Bourne remake? It just looks like a Jason Bourne movie. Well, I mean, this franchise has been around for a long yeah. time. This is like, there's been like five video games, and this is right. like... Right, didn't they make a Hitman? The they yeah. did. This is, I don't know if this Wasn't is a... Wasn't it re- like, uh, what's I, his name? Timothy Oliphant or somebody? Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't imagine... Did see it? No. I can't imagine this is a sequel, most likely a, uh, You're right. a remake. Timothy Oliphant from 2007 did this... You know, you know, somewhere, some gamer is going. Finally, they remade this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be a good one. Yeah, and after that, that movie didn't make any money. No, so, twenty-four million dollar budget. It made forty. It's surprising mm. that this movie got made, especially um, because the it, it's definitely an older franchise, and they're they're still making games. But you know, like you said, the first movie didn't do that well. well yeah. Sure so why? Like, one. what is the financial justification? I don't get it. Yeah. So I don't I know. Is it just that the budgets are so cheap? Like, I mean, the big question will be: Will it make more than Fantastic Four? <laughs> <laughs> Answer is no. Yeah. Or Man from Uncle, which also got so fucking stomp. Really? Oh, did it? Did oh, it, it tank? Did, it did thirteen million. Ooh. And straight out of Compton did fifty or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Man from Uncle when Mission Impossible and Straight Outta Compton are out. Kind of impossible. Yeah. Should have called it Straight Outta London. <laughs> straight Outta London. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. And again, an old franchise that, uh, you know, why? younger people have no idea what this, you know, what Man from Uncle is. It's just like the Gem movie. Where it's and just the like, holograms? Yeah, the Gem and the holograms. Yeah. Why make a movie off of a franchise or an entity, a property that no one knows? Right. Or cares about? Just call it something yeah. completely different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's, there, was, there wasn't a line of, oh, man from Uncle. No, there was nobody, was, there was no buzz on this on the internet. Nobody no. gave a shit about it. No. But they put both the good-looking white guys with the chin clefts in it. Oh. Army Hammer and uh, Henry Cavill. But why wouldn't you? We had exactly. to keep this episode short. <laughs> I mean, we had to keep it tight. But I did see Man from Uncle, and it's bad. And, uh, <laughs> well, Army let's, Hammer let's save has... it for the next, right. save for the next okay. episode. Got it. We got to talk about chin clefts. <laughs> uh, they're gluten-free. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag cleft it. Cleft it. Cleft it. Applause break for well, me. Well, that is... <laughs> Well, that is our episode. 282. Episode 282. Put it in the books. And um, uh, we got a lot of stuff coming up now, too. We've got, uh, you know, we've got, obviously, the movie. We're, uh, we're wrapping up Picture Lock uh, very soon. We've got the uh, podcast festival coming up. We've got um, uh, the 
entire schedule is almost entirely booked. There's a couple of uh, holes, schedule is but up right at now. LAPodfest.com. Mm-hmm. And the people are already buying the streaming tickets. There's there's still tickets left to attend, but also there's streaming tickets. That's unlimited. If you can't get to the festival, it's a great way to not only see the festival, but support your favorite podcast because those coupon codes, the podcasters get money from that. Yeah, so you're saving by using, let's say, coupon code CFN. You save $5, so normally it'd be $25 for the live video Now stream. it's only 20 Now it's only 20 and that's how we get paid or whatever show you coupon right. code you use, mm-hmm. that's how the shows get paid. So go to LAPodfest.com. Um, Baron, where can people find you on the internet? So you got any upcoming shows, whatever? Oh, me? Well, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, B-A-R-V-O-N-B-L-A-Q. I have to sing it so that way people remember because it's a confusing thing to spell be spelled um also baronvon.com i have a tour coming up i'm calling it the saturdays tour d-a-z-e and uh, i'll announce that as the dates come in nice and you're an a-fall and i'm an a-fall yeah <laughs> and then see to the name of the netflix show again if you- oh grace and frankie grace yes and frankie. on netflix if you haven't seen it all right Cool, guys. Well, uh, that's the show. Go to LAPodfest.com. Podfest is September 18 through 20. Check that out. LAPodfest.com. All the info. Uh, I am also headlining the Hollywood Improv August 29th, 10 p.m. show. Um, so if you're in the L.A. area, come out for that. That's our program, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again to Baron Vaughn. And go see you in Tahoe this week. Yeah, I'll be in Tahoe. That's right. Mm-hmm. Way to go. You know my tour mates <laughs> better than me. Yeah, I'll be headlining in Tahoe uh, with Avi Lieberman uh, August 19th through the 23rd at, at Harvey's Hotel and Casino at the, Ir- at the Improv in South Shore. So come on up to the lake. Um, all right. Thank you, Baron Vaughn. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Right out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs>